So if you curious fuckers love our podcast, Fucks Given, you are going to love one of my favourite podcasts, actually, Confidently Insecure with Kelsey. It is amazing. And she covers loads of topics, actually, that Aww. we really enjoy talking about. Yeah, like, Thank we are, you, like, guys. Sisters from so many different misters here. Like, we are just yeah. ri- riving, ripping. I-, I don't know what the word is, but you just need to check out her podcast because we love this girl. Like, I cannot wait for Aww. the day where we can meet each other in 3D and hug. Mm. And fuck. I know. You guys have to come over to Confidently Insecure. We're the podcast where we're absolutely sure we don't know everything. This podcast is a safe space for you to come and ask the dumb questions so we can all learn and become better humans. Everything from politics to sex work to vaginal health to brain science. Come on. Come take a listen anywhere where podcasts are played. Oh, my God. I need to listen about brain science when I'm fascinated. It's intense. Mm. Yeah, definitely go and check it out. You are going to love it. Yeah, if you love us, you'll love her. Faux show. You're listening to Fucks Given, the one with six, the astrologer. Hello, curious fuckers. I'm Reed. And I'm Florence. And together, we're Come Curious. When we're not just fucking around on YouTube and Instagram. Every Thursday, we invite a new guest onto Fucks Given to talk about their best fucks, worst fucks. And the fucks that made them. We also answer your sex questions and read out your sex stories. So stay tuned as we divulge all the delicious details. Honestly, the only one that ever existed, really. Like, I started astrology from scratch. It just, the stars, I made them. I gave birth to them. Well, thank you so much for for joining us on our podcast. We've been so eager to have you on. Mm. Um, Please tell our curious fuckers a little bit about yourself. Yes. Okay. So, hi, I'm Six, the astrologer. I am most notable for being a sex astrologer. I write for... Mm various magazines my horoscopes are in bustle and if you like sex toys and you like willies or pussies and you would like to copy yours i write for clona willy they make we love clona willy yes i do the horoscopes for them the little host scopes gotta love them (laughs) Um, i'm also a phd student i'm getting my phd in human sexuality so that's amazing yeah and i identify as an intimacy doula because i feel like with so much trauma in the world it's Mm. really important to understand that through everything that we do may it be protesting or podcasting or astrology we have to go in knowing that people are being vulnerable just by being themselves that's incredible what did you call that an intimacy intimacy doula doula yes or doula doula yeah I'm thinking like you know like a jeweler is in like you know when oh. people are like I challenge you to a duel and like slaps you with a white glove <laughs> it's no, time to do do no yes that's actually what I do I like throw forms of intimacy at people until they crack oh my god that would be sick though but no i mean intimacy doula actually sounds like a lot more wholesome and magical (laughs) in like an in the the nice term anyway six six how are you how are you doing 
I'm good. I feel like I've been, with everything going on, and you and I were talking about a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. I've really been taking the time to prioritize self-care and rest. Like, I've yeah. been protesting. I've been to social work school, so I've been doing community organizing. I've, like, done canvassing. I've worked with Greenpeace. I've worked with Black Lives Matter. So... Mm-hmm. I think what I kind of recognized when all of this started happening again was like PTSD, like symptoms. Oh, yeah. Like literally like feeling haunted from protests in the past. Like, and then people resharing the videos of like Mm -hmm. Tamir Rice and Sandra Bland. And it's like, there's a whole conspiracy about was she killed before she even was arrested. And I just found myself like, okay, well... I can recognize that this is PTSD, even if I'm confused as to how I even got PTSD, Mm. but it makes sense because protesting, it's like a mini war, really. Like you were literally saying like, stop killing us and you have to defend your life. And Mm -hmm. when I realized that I, I really was like, okay, it's time to make sure that my inner child is okay. Mm. So there's been a lot of like, I, I took some time to color. I took some time to like go outside and play and go for walks and stuff like that so I can keep the spirit high, really. Yeah. That's, that's such a nice word. I didn't even think about PTSD. And of course, I think I think it's like that for a lot of us. It's any kind of conflict and, and like a, a feeling of like lost. And there's a lot of like stuff that must come up for so many people that really makes them feel mm. powerless in this situation. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I, it's like... A global trauma so yes and, and you, everyone feels that like there's this energy i guess that sort of penetrates everyone florence you really hit the nail on the head with that one because it's like not only are we having like these conversations about oppression and marginalization and imperialism and supremacy and so forth we're also like quite literally in a plague globally yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we also have a global plague going on so we quite literally have just one we have the trauma before the plague we have the trauma during the plague we have the people with pre-existing mental health conditions and we know that we were talking about suicidal ideation anxiety and depression a lot before mm. any of these things happen so how do these uh, situations exasperate mm. themselves a lot of people are stressed out because elections and their respective oh, countries gosh, yeah. and i know that a lot of people are looking at america right now and they're like you're gonna elect them again yeah what are you, what are you gonna do huh what you gonna do america fuck number one the last fuck oh man i didn't... <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh man oh man <laughs> okay so i just left a relationship with someone who you know when you're like in a relationship and like you met them when you were like young so you have Mm. this warped perspective of who they are and what they're like and you like you know maybe signs that you saw much later as an adult like you'd be like i would never go on a second date with this person but Mm -hmm. like you know warped perspective i that was my last time having sex and i think it just kind of like I don't know. I just kind of got to a point where I was having sex with him because we lived together, but not because I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most fulfilling sex. And I think it's because he made sex and orgasm and pleasure a priority for like his thing, but kind of expected me to just kind of deal with it and do everything his way and i'm a sagittarius so i was like no Uh, no no no. it it sounds like a a convenience fuck 
Like, yeah, it, it was a very, it was a convenience fuck. It was like, I think there was, there was definitely like care there. I mm-hmm. like hesitate to say love looking back just because mm-hmm. I'm like, I was so, I was young when I met him. So mm-hmm. warped perspective of what I thought I was actually getting into. Was it a really long relationship? Um, It was over a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And but I've so known you... him since I was like 19. I see. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, you've known him for a long time and like idolized this person and then finally yes. got to have the relationship. Yeah. I've done, I've definitely done that before. Yeah. And, like, and then oh. you realize like, oh my God, yeah. we really need to understand that like adulthood really is like about 25, which means it's like all these sexual experiences we had before that. It's like, we need the sex education. We need to have conversations and we mm. also need to be able to talk to our parents about it and adults. Mm. Yeah. I've done the same where you, you fancy someone back in the age or like back in the day and then you finally get with them. And, and just this idea that you've built up for so long in your mind is just not what you expected. Um, mm. I mean, it's amazing you're with this person for a year. It must've been like, at least something good there yeah no i i think like the thing that i can appreciate about that relationship is it taught me so much like in that time and like Mm. i don't you know like i don't hate this person like i wish nothing but the best for them because i do feel like you know moving on a part of healing forgiveness not being a thing for them but quite Mm. literally being like i forgive myself for staying past due yeah i forgive Mm -hmm. myself for continuing to drink the spoiled milk like i can (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) re got it re got the joke (laughs) but mainly because also i i actually drank spoiled milk the other day literally as well but it wasn't so bad like i don't get freaked out about off milk lots of people do and i I feel like that's i feel like spoiled milk is a good relationship for like relationships we stay in for far too long like sometimes it can be life-threatening and other times it's just unpleasant and you learn something what's the joke about come yes yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, i was late on that so much so much spoiled milk (laughs) I mean, I, I do, oh I my god! Like, mm-hmm. Do you mean li- <laughs> literally? I drank spoiled milk. I like literally had a, a pint of milk and I downed it, and it was like thick and and like off. But also metaphorically drinking that spoiled milk as well. Too much spoiled milk has entered these lips. I swear to fucking god. Yes, and like, and that's the thing. I think that one thing that this relationship taught me, and like. Even, you know, just the last fuck taught me. And, like, even mm-hmm. before I got on the this podcast with you, I was, like, thinking about it. I think that, like, being poor made me really, like, have a warped perspective of what I am supposed to tolerate, you know? And I feel like no. also, like, being woman, being black, being queer, like, I felt like I was in a relationship where I was constantly being misgendered and, like, constantly, like, just like having to kind of stand up for myself and I thought that that's what I needed to do like I thought I was supposed Mm -hmm. to teach somebody how to love me tolerate like the you know like accept kind of sex that isn't the most sexually satisfying on the hope that maybe one day like something's going to change and I think that one thing that I really learned from that relationship and like really like learned retrospectively from all the sex that I had from that relationship was that you really just have to trust yourself. Like if something's mm-hmm. not like if something's off, like if if even if the sex is enjoyable, but you kind of like don't like how like they treat you after the sex, yeah. like, you know, and it doesn't have to be like they're degrading you. It could be literally that like yeah. after they're done, they get up immediately and go. Uh-huh. And if that is mm-hmm. like something that intuitively like strikes you. <laughs> wrong, Florence, oh my God. Yes. 
and it's it's so true and we just put up with it i don't mm. and i don't know why sometimes but why? we're just like oh well it will change one day it will change and it never does and we always hope for it but it never does honestly what i really like i really like have just sat like i sat with this healing process and i like you know that getting back to the forgiveness like i don't think that we realize that not only are we dating as adults, but our inner child is going along with that experience. And I think I had to sit down and think about my mother's relationships and think about how she made me feel by Mm -hmm. like just randomly like having like someone that she was dating and then like that person was gone. And it's like seeing the relationship also with my parents. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. I tolerated my father like just not really like stepping up like in a relationship with me. Like, you know, not even like as a child, but even like just showing up as a friend. I feel like my father Mm -hmm. struggled to do. So then it's like when you get into a relationship it's really easy when people hit like your partner hits on like the things that your parents did and said I feel like the natural inclination is to do some self-reflection and be like well my mom and my dad have been saying this all your life but then it's like when I like ended up like coming back to my mom I'm like oh wait my mom projects a lot actually like so that's why I would be in the relationship with someone who like is constantly projecting at me I'm just Mm -hmm. used to being projected at and I accept Mm -hmm. it we quite often get into relationships that are very similar to our parents. Yeah, even we're if so our parents' relationships weren't good or they didn't work, and they're like divorced now, it's just somehow it just repeats itself within you because you're like, that's what I know, and that's what I feel comfortable with. Like seeing that relationship, that was like obviously the relationship that you first ever knew. So obviously yeah. you're going to like, oh, that's in a way something that I need to recreate, but quite exactly. often. Exactly. And idea. like, I think that one thing that, you know, being queer has taught me and being around queer people has taught me, like, I feel like queer people are going to lead the relationship revolution. Yeah. yeah. We have had to learn how to do relationships different. And I think that queer people, because we've had to kind of recreate family, we intentionally go in like, I'll try to play the role of mom or dad or caregiver or nurturer or papa or whatever. And it's like, I feel like I've had relationships with my queer partners where it's like, we very much intentionally step into these parental roles for each other to nurture and help, like, I think, raise and heal and, Mm. like, hold the inner child. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's, like, it's weird because I feel like, you know, it's so weird because, and I'm going to go to a weird place with this, but incest (laughs) porn is so popular. Like, incest porn, it's so popular. I mean, I'm fucking down for a good old incest porn. I I love that shit. It's fucked up. And I don't want to fuck my brother and sister, but I love the idea of two twins fucking me and fucking each other, but also fucking me mainly, but fucking each other too. And like, what I think there's a reason why like all of us like different kings, but I think with uh-huh. incest porn, what it is is family structures are so shut down, mm-hmm. and family should be the 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 people that you trust and the people mm. that you feel like are never gonna leave you and aren't gonna hurt you and they care about you. And even with twins, I can understand that because that could reflect in some ways like true self love. 
yeah in a way or yeah. truly like reflecting yourself like there are so many ways that i feel like incest porn can be interpreted that's but I, so interesting so right? interesting yeah. i'm like dad come back i love you where are, where did oh, you go Reese, please. please like please. uh daughter fuck stepdad like instantly <laughs> no i'm not gonna lie like i'm on i can be honest like, i oh, have God. also masturbated not because i want to have sex with any of my family members mm-hmm. because that's not what it is but i think like i specifically even like look for incest porn that is like not people who could possibly be related to me but mm. sometimes well it's a I... fantasy it's it's not reality there's a very big difference Ex- between that you know it's like exactly. we are not wanting to literally fuck our family members but there's there's a, a big borderline difference between real incest and and stuff that is like oh yeah unacceptable Abs- it goes yeah. it, and it operates so very differently like i used to work at a dungeon in manhattan and like there was this one client who would come in because he wanted a tall like amazonian like superwoman black woman kind of thing tall strong and like the whole kink it was so freaking disturbing i did it (laughs) once and i was like i can never there's no amount of how are you gonna have this kink it be cheap too i just want you (laughs) if you are a sex worker you know the client they don't tip they use counterfeit money sometimes. No. And they have the most obscure, random kink with like so much after cleanup. Like you have to do so much cleanup because they also want to have their body completely covered in oil. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's also like the mental cleanup after. Uh, I just played witness to this. You like, literally have to sit there and be like, why was... Like his fantasy was essentially, he wanted this, he had like... I don't know if this actually happened to this person, but the fantasy was that he wanted to age regress back to a childlike mm-hmm. state, and his mother was cheating on his father with a black maid, and the Whoa. sister tried to step up and like stop it, but then like the maid like beat her up so badly that she was in a <gasps> wheelchair, and like he's a child oh, being a, like sexually abused by this maid, and I was just like, this is. Whoa. I can't sit here and unpack this person's <laughs> kink. Therefore, I can never see them ever no. again. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, wow. there's two sides to that. It's like we shouldn't king shame, but also that is so specific that that must have happened. Surely, like that. that how does that? How do you even wank over that and get to that place where it gets the the fantasy becomes so intricate like that and so personal? It seems so personal. And then the thing is, you also have to, like, keep in mind, too, this fantasy, if the age regression is relevant, Mm -hmm. this is someone, like, who is potentially working through very specific and unresolved childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Potentially. Like, we can't just assume, but that is potentially what could be happening. And is using racism, misogynoir, and just child abuse to like be able to process whatever they're processing so it's like if this happened at a child then they're having a warped perspective of what even happened so we don't Mm. even really understand how deep the it was just too much i was like this is the boundary and in that moment i was like i will never let anyone ever disrespect sex workers ever again because nobody understands the amount of work that comes in with Mm. having to manage your own emotions to compartmentalize to set boundaries you're like a therapist 
I have yes, a background. Yeah. I don't have the license, but I do have a background where if I take one test, I could be a therapist. Hey, just, one. just do oh, it. Do it. I'm going to be a sex doctor. <laughs> That's why I'm going for the PhD. Woo! This is a this is an advert from BetterHelp Therapy Online. This is an ad from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get like Just fill out. <clears throat> Why is it so hard to do? I'm like looking that way. I'm like, I can't <laughs> do this. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety <laughs> of expertise. <clears throat> with over a thousand, with over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Do you need to say that again? This episode is sponsored by Beducated. As you all know, I've been on a little bit of a celibacy journey, <laughs> meaning I haven't had sex in over a month. So I've been looking into how I can experience more pleasure with my solo sex. And this is where Beducated comes in because they have all the courses that I need to learn how to do like sensual reawakening with my vulva and tantric massage. And also I saw a course on there about learning how to dirty talk. I know this is completely not relevant, but <laughs> I'm really intrigued. No, it's all relevant. Beducated is this really amazing website where you can sign up to do courses and learn about sex like dirty talking. I've been doing a squirting course. <gasps> oh, wow. So... In all spirit of masturbation, May, we're sharing Beducated with you. Yes. I mean, what's not better in masturbation, May, to actually take the time to focus on yourself and your own pleasure and masturbate. And it's literally good for you. It releases all your happy hormones and reduces stress. There's literally no reason not to masturbate. So Florence, what have you been learning in your course? I've been learning techniques that I have never tried before when it comes to masturbation. Which areas are more sensitive and which bits turn me on more? The technique thing has been blowing my mind, like the way that the language is used and, you know, it's it's people just like us teaching. It's not, I don't know, it's not someone sitting there in a lab coat. It's people who have had these experiences. I was learning from Lola Jean. She's like the squirt queen, right? And the way that she talks about even just like not going straight into G-spot stimulation, she's explaining everything that you know, if you have an oversensitive G-spot, you might not want to go in with direct penetration. You want to explore and give pleasure to your G-spot 
externally, you know, not necessarily on the clitoris. I feel like if I keep going and I keep practice with this, I will be able to squirt. And if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can try Beducated with 50% off the yearly pass with our coupon code COMECURIOUS. That's C-O-M-E, curious. Don't say we don't look after you. And of course, you can try all Beducated courses for one day absolutely free and you won't be charged for the first 24 hours. You can cancel any time and... They have a 14-day money-back guarantee. So invest in your love life today and join Beducated now from just $8.33 per month. Get access to over 100 courses online from the world's top experts. To get on Beducated now, click the link in the description and remember to use our coupon code COMECURIOUS. That's C-O-M-E, CURIOUS. Invest in your solo pleasure this masturbation may or use it with a partner. You can also get a personalised beducated gift card for your loved ones. Happy wanking! We wanted to tell you about our Patreon. We just wanted to say that we're independent and this is a really good way for independent podcasts to fund themselves. You can find all the links to the right stuffs in the show notes, in the description, and of course on our social media, on our little link tree. So yeah, check it out and come say hi. Fuck two. The first fuck. When I was young, I wanted to actually wait until marriage because I grew up in a very religious town. And while I was not religious, Mm -hmm. I just kind of felt like America was really weird about sex. Like in the same breath of being very Puritan, we had boobs everywhere. So I was just kind of like as a kid, like I don't understand sex and I don't know that anybody really understands sex. Mm -hmm. So I want to wait. My first sexual experience was rape. And it was like really heavy. And then the one after that, like it it was with someone I was in a relationship with. So I feel not so bad about that. But I do think that he like explicitly was like, oh, well, you know, like because you were raped, wouldn't you want to have sex to like erase that bad memory with a good memory? That's so So, fucked. I like was just, you know, recently traumatized. I was 18 and like, I just kind of, I feel like I don't want to, I feel like, okay, not to sound like a born again virgin or anything, but (laughs) all those times don't count because they're kind of questionable. And it's like, I, I guess like I've had to like have a new kind of realization for one, virginity doesn't exist, but two, it's like, we are the ones who define our sexual awakening and we have a sexual yeah. awakening every time we have sex with someone different which is why we can have mm. amazing sex with mm. someone and then go to the next person and be like what i have to start all over again so i feel like yeah. we're constantly losing our metaphorical cherries and we're constantly reinventing and i i'm curious about the sex that i'm gonna have at 25 because i'm like hey. okay so i feel completely like fully developed i feel like i left a relationship from my childhood and i can finally like go in with everything that i've learned as a child as a teen as a young adult and finally like enter like full-formed judgment adulthood Mm -hmm. and like 
hopefully next time have a better story for you <laughs> fuck no i mean don't don't say a better story because thank you so much for opening up about yeah. talking about rape because it's it's something that is important and that we do need to talk about and thank you for taking yeah. back that power and control enough so you can talk about it openly with people because there are so many people out there listening to this that will be able to relate so we we, we really appreciate your honesty thank you mm. Thanks. And like, you know, I appreciate you saying that. Like, I struggle. I feel like when I was assaulted, there was a lot of racial politics that happened. Like, I Mm. live in a very predominantly white town. And like, the person who raped me was a white man. And Mm -hmm. like, it was my white woman best friend who watched and kind of set it up. What? Yeah, it was like, really like, (laughs) it was really messed up. Like, I was like, I really had to heal. Like, I Mm -hmm. really had to heal I had to heal and I had to do so much forgiveness and when I say forgiveness is really not about them Mm -hmm. it was all about me after I was assaulted Mm -hmm. I told myself this is the worst possible thing that could happen to me this year and then I became a professional model and then I get got into the one school that I want to go to the only school I applied to and then I got on Dean's List and then like I like graduate college in like three years because I was invited into this honors program so it's like there were so many things and pressures that I put on myself Mm -hmm. to be perfect after assault to be better than them after assault to prove something to them and after I did all that like you know I I went to Columbia like I've written for Teen Vogue I've written for Bustle Cosmo Refine all the magazines like I like continuously (laughs) thrive and then I had to get to a point where I'm like thriving does not mean healing You can thrive and still be unresolved and unhealed. And I think, you know, a part of me healing was being able... I know that I've healed because I can talk about my assault and I can do it in a way where I'm comfortable with the emotions and the pain that comes up. And I feel like... I, I think the hardest thing, specifically for millennials right now, is how do we support the Zoomers who have very identical stories who like, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like I would, I feel like if I wasn't assaulted, maybe I would have kept my purity ring. You know, it hurt that like, you know, it happened without protection and I had to take plan B for the first time. And like, you know, like it just Mm -hmm. was like a really unfortunate series of events that really Mm -hmm. hurt me on a spiritual and emotional level. But it also, you know, showed me, this world of how incompetent we are with like dealing with this system. Like we are so Mm. incompetent. We literally set young people up to be groomed and exploited by Mm. older people, usually because they need financial like help. And that wasn't what happened. But then we also have this like culture of boys will be boys and they should be going out and being literal predators and girls are prey. And the, the conversations we have around sex, the misconceptions, like, I am not mad at them. I believe that they will reap everything that they have sowed. So Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about them. But I I guess like what I had to do is let go of being mad at myself for Mm -hmm. not being able to protect myself or do anything. Because Mm -hmm. if I could do anything, then it wouldn't really be assault. But I also had to like, I think, affirm myself after being gaslit for so long because eventually you start to believe that you're not supposed to speak up and like in America you know black women are less likely black and Native American women are less likely to report our assaults because there's so many different 
nuances and dynamics that can happen that can make it easier to rape a black or a native woman and get away with it essentially yeah. and I, I I think that I don't I've mostly struggle talking about it because of how other people will receive it and like mm. you know what is the best way to have this conversation maybe you two know <laughs> I mean there's no easy way to have these conversations yeah. but they are so important to have like mm-hmm. it's never going to be easy to say it it's never going to be easy to hear it but it's important to know and to learn and to listen and to be there and support each other yeah. um, something uncomfortable like this is never going to be easy and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be easy because then there wouldn't be a problem it wouldn't wouldn't be something to talk about but the fact that you do come out with it and you say you know like i was raped it wasn't like something bad happened that i wasn't really sure mm-hmm. about it was like i am sure that it was rape and yeah. i was sexually assaulted um and yes that might make other people feel uncomfortable but that's no no shine and no light on what you're saying that's that's their discomfort and it's okay yeah. to feel uncomfortable about it and to say like wow that's a scary word because they mm. it, they are scary words and people don't really know like what to say and how to react. It's like when somebody says, like, oh yeah, like, you know, my, my parents just died. It's like, ha- that, that's an uncomfortable conversation to have and because people don't do it often, but it's so important to talk about it. Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean you shouldn't say something and mm-hmm. shouldn't fucking scream it from the goddamn rooftops and be like, I'm okay yeah. with this. Because in doing so, you're turning something that's so so negative into a positive into like you know a weakness into a strength and by doing so you're helping other people and yourself no I absolutely agree and I think you know like I've grappled with it like I you know I'm talking about it because I I do feel resolved enough to say it and say it on air and I you know Mm -hmm. feel comfortable with the two of you where I know that I'm not going to have to like mentally put on the hat to be able to be armored up and ready because it's like I think this story about how I was raped was is so relevant to racism and racial Mm -hmm. like relations in america where it's Mm -hmm. like specifically i feel like i felt like i couldn't watch slave movies after because i was like this like white woman literally wanted this man and to have him and she used like her black confidant and friend and like watch her be assaulted and literally Fuck. she like it the it's deep because then like we did report it to the police her parents did not want me to call the police because they were pastors or preachers and they were worried what about the, the way that it would look and then when the police oh, called fuck. because i called the police <laughs> like what you what what religion is not going to be the thing that keeps me from calling no no way and the police officers i think like i think it was a black guy and a latino guy and they were like no what you are describing is rape and the Mm. girl like she also like described the same exact story and because the boy lawyered up and said that he was not going to make a statement, the police system did not pursue. And I yeah. did go to the butterfly garden. The police were so incompetent in doing my rape kit. I told them these were the underwear that I was wearing when I was assaulted. And like they did, they just didn't take them. And like mm. I held on to that underwear in a plastic bag for months after because For's I was just sake. like, maybe one day someone's going to like care enough to like do a real rape kit on what happened. And like, yeah. The counseling I got after was, like, also pretty incompetent. I had, like, a white woman therapist, and, like, she explicitly, like, I appreciate she said this because it really was affirming. She was like, I do feel like the reason why you are not going to get justice is because you are black. Yeah. And they are white. And, you know, like, that 
that was hard. And then also during the conversation while I was talking to her and telling her my story and like, you know, I intellectualize things. So I learned a lot about rape and sexual assault and why people rape people, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And during our session, she realized that she was assaulted. She like recalled Uh. a story where somebody put a drink, like something in her drink and then assaulted her and she was mad the next day. And I was like, I am 18 and you were like 50 or 60 and me, we are in therapy and I was the one who was just the it was like a lot and like Mm. it really was one of those things where it's like there are just so many stories specifically that happen to black and native american and even like all women of color specifically where we were sought out explicitly for the color of our skin like he literally once told me the reason like he found my skin attractive because he thought the way that his cum would look on my skin would be like appealing yeah it was like so creepy and it's like it just it is i don't think that like the assault and like how deep the racial fetishization and dehumanization of Mm. women of color I don't think we talk about it enough. Not no. at all, actually. We need to. Yeah, we we really, need to. It needs to be a conversation that starts opening. And I've seen like a couple of things on Instagram um, recently about like obviously racism in porn. And that's where it starts. It starts mm-hmm. with porn. Yes. Like the fact that we have categories for like a big black cock. It's like, yeah, what? Interracial, How is like... that allowed? Mm-hmm, like, exactly. why is this a thing? And that's because mm-hmm. white men created porn. Like mm-hmm. that... <laughs> They, they literally they treat it like it. an auction block. They're yeah, like, yeah. we have Asian, we have Arab, we have this, literally. we have that, we have big tits, small. What the heck? Oh my gosh, we literally treat sex. Like, mm-hmm. I think there is something very, like, one, humans are animals. So yes, there's always going to be something primal and animalistic and kind of like raise eyebrow about mm-hmm. our mating practices because we. I think peacocking is natural. Like, I think that you know going and saying hi and introducing yourself is natural it's more about the respect and it's very obvious we do not respect people of color we don't respect people who are differently able or differently built or special needs or whatever disabled we want to call them or however they identify themselves rather mm-hmm. and like we do not respect women and it shows it shows in the porn yeah. and the problem with porn is that is people's sexual education yeah yeah yes exactly and we need to change that from the root i mean i've, yes. I've definitely been guilty of it i've definitely sexualized races before and uh, so uh, it literally takes something as big as this as black lives movement to to change my to see my wrongdoings and mm. to be like I, I i can't i can't say shit like that anymore and and think it's okay and uh, yeah it's just being actively anti-racist or actively not putting just white people in our productions or there's there's a lot that needs changing and hopefully it is changing it, it is changing yeah. just just hoping it talking quicker. about it yeah mm-hmm. yeah no and reed i really appreciate your candor because i've never heard a white person admit that what they did was bad like that like you know in regards to racial fetishization like yeah. i've never heard like a white person say yeah actually that is something that i did and i needed to unlearn that i feel like mm. so many people want to like fall back on the preferences and so many people you know there is a shame with being like racist but it's like because of that shame people don't even want to be honest about their reality yeah. so yeah. i really appreciate where you are in your stage of like deconditioning racism from your mind yeah thanks about trying recognizing it and then moving on learning progressing that's what it's all about 
Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. There is some fucking fishy shit that I've said in the past. I'm like, oh God, it's going to come back to haunt me hard. I know that. That's for sure. Oh, man. But we are so taught to fetishize each other. Do you remember the yeah. OK Cupid like studies of like what races are attractive? Like, I'm not like blaming OK Cupid Ooh, for that, but it's no, like OK Cupid, I, really I think. That. Maybe in 2012, they like did a study like about who, what, like what their people on the website were looking for. And they found time and time again, and I know that there have been British documentaries on this study actually, or on studies similar to it, but black women, Asian men like tend to fall at the bottom of the totem pole. Asian women are somewhere up here. White men tend to be up here. My, my friend worked on that well what on one of those documentaries she was telling me about it Mm. that's really but so interesting and like how and why i i I need to know more about the psychology behind it and like the history and everything just Mm. need more we this we just need more more it's out there it's just that we need more sexual educators like Mm -hmm. putting all the stories together yeah yeah i mean we've never really spoken about like uh like race fetishization like before really and like that's crazy that we've like been doing this for so long like five years and that's never come up i like definitely spoken be... about it before because it's Have like you? i mean being on a being a webcam model doing mm-hmm. adult work it's i get a lot of like race questions and do you do race play but along oh. with a lot of like other questions of do you do age play, play. yeah that's what they call race it play. yeah and no i'm very from so i actually like this is like kind of like my passion like mm. <laughs> specifically like uh, not race play <laughs> racial dynamics and yeah. sex but like with race play race play is interesting and i feel like people don't give that conversation enough time to do it's kind of mm. like conversations that are so taboo people like just want to have a simple answer to them and they're like bad and then they put them in the back of their mind and they never unpack mm. it. But race play is, in my opinion, so much more complicated than this person is a racist. I yeah. think that people need to so understand that racism is a traumatic experience to some case, everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Like we literally had, and like, I, you know, like controversial take, but hear me out here. If you like have like groups of white people hosting lynchings and bringing their children, are children, like just because they're white children, does that make them not children? Mm-hmm. Like what is okay about children seeing like mass slavery for generations? Like mm-hmm. it's no wonder white people are having a difficult time like unpacking it because they were told since they were, they had warped conditioning, warped mm-hmm. education that literally told them black bearings were smaller. Like literally like schools, officials, your entire structures built off of slavery and racism. Like how could we just, expect for white people to just get it and i wish it was that simple i wish it was that easy i wish it was that like white people just woke up but it is it we it's been a long time coming and the fact that Mm -hmm. like we're on this podcast and we can have a conversation and like be honest with where we were like i can sit down and say like 
I probably sexualize, well, no, I've definitely sexualized people who have other races than I. And I think a big part of it was because I thought it was normal. Like people mm-hmm. sexualize my blackness yeah. all the time. So I thought that's what we were just doing. And then I also think there is something to say about you can just be attracted to someone with darker, or lighter skin. Like yeah. that's, that's fine too. It doesn't necessarily have to be a race thing, but yeah. it's like, we have to acknowledge that racism in a way was a cult and it forced cult think. And it's Mm -hmm. like, when you like look at like scientific studies, like the Stanford prison experiment where people usually just kind of go into group think and like, Mm -hmm. they don't look past it. And if you give people things with authority, it's like, yeah, there might be people who are narcissistic or have antisocial personality disorder or whatever, like, you know, extreme processing differences, Mm -hmm. but having antisocial personality disorder doesn't mean you have a, you don't have a value system. And I feel like people lean on mental illness far more than it needs to be. And it can't, it really is just as simple as humans can be monsters if they've been conditioned to be monsters. Therefore we have to sit down and constantly be assessing ourselves as humans. Fuck three. The best fuck. Best fuck. Oh, man. I actually have a best fuck story. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. I do have a best fuck story. Hold on. (laughs) Give me, like, five seconds to... I don't know. I've had so many, like, good fuck stories, though. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, like, with all the trauma, like, I have had so many good fuck stories like i like have had like moments where like i was just hanging out with friends and randomly we're somehow in a penthouse and then there's like a sibian on the floor oh, and like i just write yes. it in front of a bunch of people like sometimes one of I've those just, like, like machines with the with the yeah dick. the fucking machine oh, and so i just good. wrote it in front of a bunch of people and it was hot like i've Whoa. had like a random like make out like in a hot tub session with mm-hmm. someone and like everybody was traveling and nobody lived where we were at. So it was like really hot and fun. (laughs) And like someone was from Germany. I was like, this is so hot and different. And like, (sighs) we're all having fun. And then like I've had a lesbian orgy in a pool. Oh my God. Like I've been to sex clubs. I've done so many kinks, but I think... The best sex is really the sex I have with myself and my imagination. Yes! Yeah, baby! (laughs) It really is because, like, I just feel like I have so many good sex experiences, but it's, like, the best sex, the sex that is most dependable, the sex that I know that's always Mm going to be there is the sex I have with myself because I have learned how to make myself orgasm in, like, a minute. Like, I like, (laughs) yes, that's rush, but it's, like, I just know my body so well. I know what I like. I'm comfortable with my turn-ons. When something comes into my fantasies that I'm, like, well, this was, like weird and disturbing why am I thinking about that where are the planets today like I could usually I don't mind stopping with myself and being like okay let's process this fantasy mm-hmm. I love that so much so the that's, fa- your your fantasies are aligned with the planets yeah tell us more tell I need to more. know more <laughs> so in astrology for people who don't know the basic components are that there are 12 signs 
12 houses and each house like symbolizes something different in your life. So for example, the first house is yourself. The fourth house is your family and your roots and your ancestries. The fifth house is a pleasure. Um, when I'm looking at birth charts to figure out what somebody likes sexually, I'm looking at the fifth house of pleasure and creativity, also of children, the eighth house of intimacy, shared resources and transformative experiences and transformation. And the 12th house of hidden desires, subconscious thoughts, memories that we may not be aware of or things that we may enjoy that we may not be aware of or too scared to do even. And I find that it's like when you look at those houses and you see specifically what zodiac sign each house falls into, that house takes on the energy of that sign. So for example, like I have Pisces fifth house. So Pisces is a sign of creativity mm-hmm. and the house of creativity. So my pleasure, like how I receive pleasure and how I even go about solo masturbation, I can't not be creative. Like whenever I'm having sex, something's going on in my brain. I'm the type of person where if you have Pisces fifth house or even Pisces Mars or any prominent Pisces placement, Pisces Venus, you might like music during sex. You might be the type of people who like, you want to like get completely naked with your partner, like cover yourselves in paint and have sex (laughs) on like a canvas. Like that kind of stuff is like things that I like and it just continues to go around. And depending on where the stars are, Mm -hmm. the planets are constantly transiting through each sign. So it's like Mars rules over libido and Venus rules over pleasure Mm -hmm. and beauty. So when Mars is in your fifth house, you may feel a higher creative libido. So you may be like, pulling out and cranking out more projects but like they often say that sexual energy and creative energy are like deeply intertwined so you may find with a mars in your fifth house placement that like you're feeling a higher sexual libido too you're like i need more pleasure i want to go and just seek pleasure and you might even have <laughs> like frustrations if you can't have pleasure during that transit I mean, yeah. like, how, where, how can so we cool. look into this more because trying to think about like all of the fucking corona coaster weird shit that i've been like masturbating over and i'd really be interested to see if it links up to what i've been doing and where my mind's at and what my vagina wants so the best way to start is really going to www.astro.com a-s-t-r-o and pulling your birth chart and then you can kind of look and see where the planets are and like it's cool because you can like look and be like oh wow that is venus and venus is in this house like let's see what that means and like google it but the real like honestly the best way the best 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 way to figure out what's going on with you sexually is going to obviously a sex therapist and like Mm -hmm. you know having that conversation or going to someone who is some type of sex educator sex worker or even sex astrologer and i would caution people just because someone does sex astrology does not mean that they are sex educated so Mm -hmm. kind of figure out where someone's coming from because some people cannot hold kinks like i know people who Mm -hmm. if you told them that you're into race play they may not actually be able to hold that conversation so be careful where you go (laughs) yeah that's a that's a good point um my partner and i were seeing a sex therapist before corona Um, we're all we're all about therapy up in here like love therapy i love my therapist so much like almost maybe too much (laughs) No, that's real. That's real. (laughs) Fuck number four. The fuck that made me. 
it's so crazy and it's hard but i will say the first sexual assault really wow it was it transformed everything to me because i always cared about rape and sexual assault because Mm -hmm. i just think that there it just we don't talk enough about it and with technology we don't talk about how people groom young people on the internet as Mm, well yeah and it's just there's a lot of things that are happening on the dark webs the prop the like not dark webs in light and dark and i think like the first like experience with everything honestly i do not have any bad feelings that that was like like that was my sexual awakening in some ways like to that extent like I I think that depending on like how you classify sex I think my sexual awakening changes like in a lot of ways but I think that one was so monumental because it wasn't just about rape it was about racism it was about sexism it was about misogynoir and it inspired me to get an education and inspired me to want to talk about like sex and like I had been doing sex education since I was an undergrad HIV testing and education mm. programming like I, I, there it's I've taken two human sexuality classes like one was I was literally interning under a sex therapist and the other one I took a more formal like human sexuality class at Columbia and yeah. through it it really was that first trauma that made me go no more trauma like there doesn't need to be any more trauma since that first experience my understanding of sexual assault has changed over and over and over again and I expect it to continue to change because as you know it starts off with this happened to me and then it became this happened to us Mm -hmm. and to some extent the conversation has to be sexual abuse in some way shape or form has directly impacted every single one of us period Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how we can take such a traumatic, negative experience and turn it into something so positive for the rest of our lives. Yeah. It's, and in a way, it's just like, if that hadn't have happened, like, what would life be now? Yeah, I mean, I do not believe that I became my trauma because my trauma and I, like, trauma is an experience and a memory. Mm. And I hold that memory because it's a part of my story. Mm. But that, I don't, I I have no regrets. I accept everything that has come to me, no matter how yeah. painful or beautiful it is. And it's like, I would not be here talking to you right now in the same capacity, with the same knowledge, with the same confidence if I wasn't able to overcome those things. Yeah, that's so so incredible and so inspiring. I hope that other people hearing this like, fuck yeah, you know, like my my sexual assault does not define who I am. If not, it can make me better than who Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah, I think it's also really important to recognize sexual assault. I think there are so many people out there who have these experiences and they're they're like, oh, it was a gray area. Oh, I like I could have said this Uh, or I was oh, like they were a boyfriend. Like they can't have done that to me or a girlfriend or whoever. And it is about recognizing and and just kind of like owning that it happened and then learning from it, moving on, progressing and using it to benefit you in the future mm-hmm. yes abs- absolutely and you know it i i think it, one thing that i would say to anyone who's surviving because whenever mm-hmm. i talk about rape i very shortly after get messages from people who have been yeah. raped or yeah. recently raped and you know i can't always get to those messages if they come to me so what yeah. i will say to those people is 
easier said than done but take a deep breath like inhale exhale and keep doing it until you can calm down enough to understand Mm -hmm. that this is something that you can manage and you're not supposed to manage it right now you're supposed to feel it right now and you're supposed to talk about it right now and if there's nobody who will hear you talk about it then write about it find communities make sure that you have it documented for yourself because sometimes you get gaslit so much that you can't sit with what actually happened Mm -hmm. or sometimes people tell you what happened or memories might conflate because you were watching tv and it's it's difficult but if it like for yourself know your story for yourself and if you don't believe your story now if you believe it was your fault right now that that for right now is okay but as you heal the way you see your story and the way you tell your story and the way you understand it is subject to change and that's okay because we are growing and we don't know where you were or what happened or how you perceived it but it's okay to keep taking your time and like things changing doesn't mean you lied about it it means maybe you feel more comfortable talking about everything that happened Mm -hmm. and it's really the most important person it is for you to know your story is you you are the most important person you are the only opinion that really like counts when it comes to saying what mattered to you Mm -hmm. and i do believe that yes it is difficult to like go and tell that story to Mm -hmm. others because people will not be able to receive it but if you're strong enough find the community that will support you and hold you because that is that that's that's what will help you get through it's having those people who like are going to be in a way like your support system, your chosen family, and you're going to find that they will raise you up out of everything that you're dealing with. Mm. That's incredible. I really, really hope that touches. That's probably the, the wrong turn of phrase, but you know what I mean? Oh, no! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, I really hope that whatever, what, what you were saying, does the right things to the right people. Oh, God. Oh, my you know what? I'm just God. Gonna, I'm just with consent. Um, and, you know, everybody, please... If you haven't already seen their episode about consent, I thought it was so... I really listened to it. I was listening to it this morning, and I was just like, yeah, consent, it's not just sexy. It's just the conversation we should be having, and it can be sexy. Yeah. And I think I think we can make our consent stories sexy. Like It's like, do you want to have the sexual relations with me? And sometimes I'll wave my arms around like an inflatable waving man. And like I find that like I can try to make my partners like laugh through the sex conversation. So yes. it can be funny, it can be sexy, but like, yeah, you know, I, I want to mm. like remind people that consent is important. Yeah, oh, hell so important. Fucking yes. Always have those conversations because yeah, they're not they can't, they shouldn't be scary. And if you are scared, just try and have them in any sort of way that like makes it less scary. If that's a ch- chat over text or anything over the phone, if you can't do it in person, always have the conversation about consent. For fuck's sake. This week's sex question is, I am 24 and I have never been in a relationship that's lasted more than a couple of months slash got past the friends of benefits stage. Whenever things start to feel like they could progress, I call it off as I don't feel like, don't feel a spark. I can't work out if I'm chasing an unrealistic Disney fantasy where I will meet someone and instantly feel a deep connection with them. Should I be more open-minded and give people a chance to get to know them better, even if I don't feel anything for them? Or should I keep holding out for that magic moment? This, that's a really interesting question. I, I, 
automatically would say always hold out for that deep connection yeah definitely because it will it will happen and Mm. it's possible that you're just you know you have you respect your own feelings enough not to settle and not to be like Mm. yeah all right i'll just i'll just take i think as soon as you get like a red flag or a warning sign just like okay this isn't for me and move on but also there could be underlining issues of commitment there could be other things going on there that might need Mm. to be addressed but it's it's hard to comment because we don't know what you know you know what your upbringing's like how how things have happened for you there's i mean i love the i love the phrase the the disney princess moment because we've all grown up on disney princess films like and been like well obviously prince charming's gonna sweep me off my feet we're gonna get fucking happily ever married and that's it <laughs> done deal um and no that is total bullshit <laughs> Me and my little princess mind like just got a little crush. It's okay. I'm only crying inside. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Oh, just like broken. a Scorpio sun to like ruin the day. <laughs> yeah, how about how about like Disney princess moment where it's a couple of princes and princesses sweeping off your feet into this whole beautiful collaborative life that you have in the future. Yes. In your yes. In the and like, you know, like you really like hit the nail on the head like Florence when you read that question the whole time I was like so this person is doing everything right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you're doing everything right and it's like yes there could be underlying issues we don't know you therefore Mm -hmm. we would need more context but from what you're describing one you're 24 so you're you know the average like science says the average age of like full adult human development Mm -hmm. is about 25 Mm -hmm. so to be fair, you don't really need the, like, love of your life right now. Definitely. Like, you're still, like, your judgment's still, like, strengthening. Your brain yeah. is still developing. Like, you know, like, once you're, like, at 25 and, like, you know, maybe give yourself a year, two or three to, like, feel your adult brain and body and mm. go about dating differently. But it just sounds like, you know, even from a young age, you were just one of those people that you knew what your boundaries were. Yeah. You knew what you did not and did want you weren't like maybe you didn't have the same type of conditioning where you were like oh well i have to accept this cheeto smelling red monster bowl (laughs) drinking xbox playing doesn't know where the clit is person (laughs) and like honestly like that is liberation i'm so proud of you like you know there could be underlying issues but i think that even if there are underlying issues you're gonna like you know if you want to find a therapist i always recommend finding a therapist because they can do a really good job of helping us identify not even just in relationships because usually our relationship issues stem over into our entire life some way Mm -hmm. but it's like if you feel like it's that much of a current concern definitely go there and i think it will benefit you more than just like in your relationship life but it's like if you don't even feel like it's that deep, then there's probably not... There doesn't have to be anything wrong with you. Mm, it's right. better than fucking falling in love with every fool you come across, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Jowza. 100%. <laughs> you basically just respect yourself. That's just called respect. And yeah. a lot of people find that really hard to do. And they get themselves into relationships they're not happy with. And mm, you're yes. not going to do that. So please don't settle for just anyone just because you think you're supposed to get into a relationship. Yeah. I definitely, like, when I hit 23 slash 24 i was at that time where i was like i should be in a serious relationship now yeah and like i got society. myself and that's when i got myself into the relationship that i was in for four and a half years and was it right for me no 
it's like very much mm. like that whole go with the flow thing like go what feels good go mm. follow follow what your heart desires like don't question what your heart and your brain and your body wants it sounds like you are doing the right thing yeah and that person will come you know it might not be now it might be in like a couple of years but they will come and and they will sweep you off your feet and they might be like yes this is perfect but then it also might not happen you might be single for the rest of your days and have the best life ever yeah like there's so many ways to do this is a choose your own adventure game you better have the best version of this game that you want like don't live a life for someone else unfortunately it is time for us to fuck off six you have been absolutely amazing amazing we love you so much oh i love you too you two are so amazing i love your podcast so much love to you guys please check everything else that she does please tell tell our curious fuckers where they can find you you can find me on pretty much all the social medias tiktok instagram twitter even my website it's all going to be at black women cry except for the website that is www.blackwomencry mm-hmm. and yeah like if you reach out to me to for collaborations i prefer email please email me my dms are loaded <laughs> yeah. yeah too too much dms can be too much okay but everyone please rate subscribe review the podcast if you love it and share it spread it like coronavirus Mm. oh my god y'all are have the best jokes you two are so funny (laughs) if i am not funny at all (laughs) i mean that was that was pretty funny florence um if if it was so timely timely yeah so timely if our podcast was spread like corona we'd be fucking millionaires right now all of us even me you included you'd get royalties would cut you in a deal it'd be perfect (laughs) but guys please do check us out on instagram we are c-o-m-e curious my personal one is read amber x and florence is florence bark and is there anything else we have to say before we need to run the say love you all and goodbye 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 In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.